Welcome back to Dev Theory Podcast, a podcast about everything web development. We talk about how entry-level developers can get into the industry, code tooling, our coding journey, interviews, and more. This is episode six. I'm Sean Willis here with our co-host, Isaac Weber. Today, we have a special guest with us, UX engineer at CrowdStrike and Iron Yard grad from the same cohort as Isaac and I. Welcome, uh, Kara Luton, to the show. Yeah, thank you so much. Happy to be here. Yeah, this is exciting. Um, but before we um, formally introduce you, I want to do a little better introduction. Uh, let's give a shout out to our sponsors, Ufizi. Yes, Ufizi. So we uh, are sponsored by Ufizi, and Ufizi is a DevOps SaaS that enables your organization to deliver software faster, powered by your own Kubernetes infrastructure. Ufizi is a 10x better way to visualize and automate your deployments. It's easy with Ufizi. Nice. Dude, that was your first time doing the sponsorship. Yeah, man. man. Um, I, I think I got it. That yeah. was good. <laughs> All right. So to formally introduce Kara, she's spoken at multiple different developer meetups, keynotes, and conferences, such as EmberConf um, and Underground JS. She's been featured in articles and interviews such as Unboxed, CFP Land, Women in Web Dev. Um, there's a ton of others. Uh, Business Insiders, another one. Women of Tech, People with Laptops. And I'm not even going to try to say that last one. Um, we're really excited to have you, Kara. Thank you so much. I'm excited to talk with y'all. It's been too long. I know. Yeah. The um, I'm trying to think the last time we actually even had a conversation. Was it at Iron Yard? No, I think you came to when I was working at Lewis. Did you come to one of our meetups? Yes. Lunch okay. and Learn. Yes, yes. I think that was probably the last time we talked. And Isaac, I don't know when the last time we talked was. It's been yeah. a bit. I think, yeah, I think the last time we talked is like I, I hit you up on Slack or something was just fine to catch up. But we, yeah, we haven't actually talked in person. Mm -hmm. like, in a long <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. It's been a while. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny because this whole podcast, it was, we created it as an excuse for me and him to just hang out and talk. <laughs> That's so, the perfect excuse, though. Yeah. It's been good. Yeah. yeah. So it's this is a good great. excuse to just hang out with you and talk. So you want to, you want to throw the first question up, Isaac? Yeah. Um, so we always like to start with people's, uh, I mean, with our stories, we've kind of just ran through it and, and we're kind of describing how we got into the industry, what got us into the industry, kind of what we were doing before. Um, just kind of give us the lowdown on, on you and how you got into coding. Yeah, so I definitely never thought I'd be coding. Um, even if you told me like five, six years ago, I'd have been like, ha, no way, I'm not good with computers, not doing it. But um, kind of my initial career path was I grew up dancing and doing ballet. So I was fully on track to be a professional ballerina. When I was 17, my senior year of high school, I actually moved to New York City by myself and was dancing as a trainee with the Joffrey Ballet School. And while I was there, I kind of decided like, you know, I, I do want to go to college. Um, I don't want to go for ballet. I, it's, I was getting injured a lot. It just wasn't, I wasn't passionate about it anymore. So I went, uh, moved back home to Nashville, Tennessee. And I went to Belmont University for public relations. Fast forward four years, 
got a job as a music publicist in town and I was really living like my dream. Um, that's always what I wanted to do when I was working towards in college. So I was really lucky that I got to work in the music industry. But after a few years, I was feeling really burnt out and was looking at different career paths. And that's kind of when I stumbled upon Code Academy and started teaching myself HTML and CSS. I was like, oh, this is like a lot of fun. And I started talking to more people and realized, oh, this is a job. And that's how I found the Iron Yard and enrolled in their boot camp. And now I've been in tech ever since. So now, what year was that you started on Code Academy? Oh gosh, it was right before the Iron Yard because I was like, I like this. And so I'm going to dive headfirst into it. So what we were there, what, 2016? Yep. Gosh, so long ago now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's funny because that that's literally how I got started too was Code Academy. Mm -hmm. Um, for whatever reason, yeah, it, it just seemed like that was the option at the time. And, yeah. and so I think, yeah, I took an HTML and CSS course and I was hooked and then eventually found myself in the iron yard. So that's really cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I guess, uh, now that you're in the career, this career, uh, what, what do you think drew you to it? What do you, why do you like this career? The biggest thing for me was that it is a challenging career. Um, you know, when I was a publicist, I was kind of doing the same thing every day. I was reaching out to journalists, trying to get them to interview my clients, um, sending out press releases, that sort of thing. It was very monotonous of what I would do every day. And I felt like I wasn't using really any brain power. Mm -hmm. But it's the complete opposite with coding. Like you're always learning something. I'm always sitting there every day trying to figure out why something will work. And it's just a great feeling when you finally get it. And I like that I have that to look forward to every day because it keeps it really interesting. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I remember in the boot camp, it seemed like you were always the one to figure out things first. I was telling him when we did the walkthrough of my interview, mm -hmm. like the it was the first or second day, I was stoked because I thought I figured something out quick and um, took my wife out on uh, for a dinner because it was like her birthday. Mm -hmm. and day three he ryan gave us a task and i was like horrified i was i was <laughs> like i think i made a terrible mistake <laughs> see it's so funny like looking back i remember struggling so hard with javascript and like yeah i still struggle with it sometimes now but i'm like oh this is all making sense like what we learned in our boot camp like i still have yeah. those moments where i'm like oh this is way easier than not easier but it, it makes way more sense now and obviously like you keep learning stuff all the time. We weren't going to learn in 12 weeks everything that and be like superstars at our jobs. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. I mean, at what point do you feel like I know it's a little bit hard to pinpoint, but at, at what point do you feel like things started to click for you? Uh, you know, coming out of the boot camp, it's like, you know, that was only three months. So mm -hmm. I, I doubt that anyone could really like have everything be set in place or like it all clicks as soon as you get out. Right. And so yeah, just like at what point can you remember thinking like, oh, I, I get it now? So to give you kind of a backstory on the jobs I've had. So after I graduated the Iron Yard, I started working at an advertising agency that put together like a lot of marketing websites. So I was basically writing HTML and CSS and a tiny bit of JavaScript, you know, the kind of stuff that you see on marketing websites, like an accordion, kind of sliders, things like that. So I was still really struggling with JavaScript when I worked there because I wasn't working with it all the time. And now at my job at CrowdStrike, I'm working with JavaScript 
every single day. So it was really like, gosh, almost six months to probably like a year into CrowdStrike where I was like, okay, now I feel like I'm getting a handle on JavaScript. Like I felt a lot more comfortable with getting a problem presented to me and knowing exactly where I needed to look, what I needed to do. Whereas before I was struggling with either something as simple as functions. Um, for me, CSS came very easily and very naturally. And that's kind of where my brain goes. So JavaScript is a little bit harder for me. But I'm finally now I'm starting to feel a lot more comfortable with it. Um, just knowing where to begin with it is, is the world of a difference for me. Yeah, I resonate with that a lot. I think where I started to feel com more comfortable with JavaScript was in, in the job where I started working in Vue. Mm -hmm. And, and literally, I, I felt like I learned the most just on the job because yep. I had something to apply it to, right? It wasn't just like some random problem I was given that I didn't know what it was for. It was like, oh, this is what I need to use JavaScript for for this specific use case. And that's where it was like, okay, now I'm getting it. Yeah, definitely. And I see my coworkers do stuff in JavaScript all the time. And I'm like, whoa, what are y'all doing? <laughs> right. But it's cool because it's it, there's always new stuff coming out and always learning stuff from them, looking at their pull requests. It's yeah. great. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, so we're we're kind of trying to gear this this podcast a little bit more to entry level developers trying to get into into the industry. And so I'm a bit curious about how uh, your job experience was. How or you know trying to find a job. What what did that look like for you? Yeah. So after the Iron Yard, which I listened to y'all's episode about talking about the boot camp. So y'all mentioned um, how we had career support and all of that. So kind of towards the end of our experience, as y'all know, we were job searching and yeah. I applied so many places. Um, I kept a Trello board of who I've reached out to, who I was following up with, all of that stuff, which I think is an amazing thing to do because um, you kind of forget where you've applied, <laughs> applying right. to that many jobs. I did not do that. <laughs> <laughs> it took me, I think, a solid three to four months to get my job at the advertising agency at Lewis. Um, and that was particularly because I was being really picky with the jobs. Um, I not I would interview wherever I could, but I was being really picky with um, offers. I did accept I did have a couple offers before I accepted the one at Lewis, but they were mainly jobs that wanted me to have a blend of roles. Mm -hmm. So I would come out and be like, hey, I am a great developer because I have this public relations background and it will add so much to me being a developer. And some of these companies were like, oh, well, you can do dev as well as PR. And I was mm. like, uh-uh, I'm not doing that. Right. <laughs> I'm leaving, I'm really leaving that career behind. Yep. <laughs> so that's why it kind of took me a little bit longer to find a place. Um, and then with my job now, I actually got it through Twitter, which is super random. Wow, I didn't know yeah. that. Yeah, so <laughs> a girl, her name is uh, Jessica Rose. I think her Twitter name is Jesslyn Rose. And she's not affiliated with CrowdStrike, but she has a big following on Twitter. And she was just posting like, hey, if you're job searching, you can't really talk about it. Um, send me a DM with a little bio about yourself and I'll post it. And then if anybody's interested, they'll reach out. So I did that on a whim, thinking nothing of it. And the director of my team at CrowdStrike actually reached out and wanted to do an interview. So that's how I did it. And it's I'd never heard of CrowdStrike before. They're a cybersecurity company. I knew nothing about cybersecurity. So it was it was really interesting. It's just kind of lucky that it fell through that way on Twitter. Yeah, we, we kind of talked about uh, a few episodes ago about how to get a job. And, and we kind of talked about our the networking and, and how mm -hmm. 
really it can kind of in in some cases come out of thin air like you said like twitter was just some random space you know but i think that that's a good uh example of how you kind of got to be on top of things you know uh, just apply to anything like even if it's even if it's on twitter like you know you, you never know if it's going to work out and the worst they can say is no right so exactly I think like that is is really important to do if you're looking for a job yeah and i had cases where i'd go to meetups and i'd just be chatting with someone random and this happened once she was like oh i'm in a marketing group i'll send your resume around they're always hiring developers and i got a few interviews out of that so you never know who you're going to meet at a meetup or chatting to on twitter or anything like that and where it could lead yeah exactly tell the world you're a developer and eventually you get a job <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah great um yeah so sean do you have any questions yeah. So um, what do you think would be some like tips and tricks that you could add for entry level developers that haven't secured that first job yet? Mm -hmm. You know, with the rise of boot camps and the resources online to self teach, you definitely got to make yourself stand out because there are a lot of entry level devs on the scene looking for the jobs. And while there are a lot of jobs out there, it's a lot of people applying for the same roles. So you want to make right. sure you stand out in some way. Um, when I was applying for jobs right after my boot camp, I put together just a really basic uh, custom email template that I would send out that would have my portfolio and some projects, a little bit about me. I'd put the company's logo and do it all in their brand colors. And I had several interviews where I asked like, hey, why did you pick me from a stack of applicants? Which I always think is a great question to ask during an interview. That is a good question. And they would say, you know, your email, it really stood out to me. I'd never seen anything like that. Just putting in that little bit of extra effort really goes a far away for some companies. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That I actually did that for, it was only like one company, but that, that was <laughs> That was exactly what I did. It was, mm -hmm. it was, I created a custom email template for them and, and kind of branded it to them. And, and so it, it's kind of like that one step above yep. uh, the, the stack of papers that, you know, they see every day. And so they, they immediately kind of just like go through the motions, you know, but if something pops out at them, then they, they'll probably, uh, you know, at least give it a look, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's really good advice. Nice. <clears throat> What about uh, freelancing? What's your thoughts on freelancing for entry-level developers? Good idea, bad idea? I think it depends on the person. For me personally, I've opted not to do freelancing because I am very careful about burning myself out. Um, just because with public relations, that's what happened. I got so burnt out because I was working all the time and I, I couldn't deal with it. So I choose not to code outside of work usually, except for like a port working on my personal website or anything like that. Um, nice. but, of your website oh, is, yeah. is great, by the way. Thank I you. That, that little tidbit, yeah. Thanks so much. I finally like it enough to where I don't want to change it every month. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love the little color accents on the blog post. That's really cool. Thanks so much. Um, but yeah, so I can't even remember what I was saying now. About uh, freelancing. Oh, freelancing. Yes. Yeah, totally so <laughs> <fine>. <laughs> totally fine. Um, I choose not to freelance, but I think it is a great thing for entry devs to do. Um, just make sure you know your worth, even though you're newer. Don't charge the bottom of the barrel. You want to make sure you're charging a fair price for what you're worth. And yeah. it's a great way to, especially if you're going to a boot camp or following like an online program. It's a great way to add to your portfolio and kind of get your name out there a little bit more. Um, I know someone in the town that I was 
helping, he was transitioning from, um, I believe a music career into, into coding. And he was thinking about freelancing and that's ended up how he got his new job is he was freelancing, got to add to his portfolio and then got his job through that. Nice. Yeah. The, one of the things we had, um, this, what was our last episode that we talked on freelancing? I don't think we just published it until this morning. Um, one of the things we mentioned, the benefit of freelancing, if you can't find the job was mm -hmm. it helps extend your resume, right? Definitely. And, and so for me, instead of having, like, cause while I was looking, I, uh, I freelanced, I did a freelance job for like my wife's cousin. <laughs> so it's like, um, it wasn't even a big, uh, big job, but it, it helped me add to the, the resume on LinkedIn. Oh yeah, for sure. But no, that makes sense with, with like balancing, like knowing what you can and can't do. I think that's, that was really good input. Yeah, especially because I feel like, you know, I'm big on on the tech Twitter. I like following a bunch of people that are on there. And sometimes you kind of see this glorified thing on Twitter where people are like, oh, I code 24-7. I stop working and I do my coding project on the side, which is great if you can handle it. But for no me, one can handle that. <laughs> yeah, honestly, but for me personally, I'm like, no, I, I don't want to code outside of work. Like I love coding. I think it's great. But I want to kind of have my relaxing time outside of that and not always be staring at my computer. Yeah. It's called life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Work-life balance. That's important. Yeah. yeah. No. Yeah. I think the whole hustle culture is definitely, um, it's definitely something that's kind of toxic in, mm -hmm. in America, you know, like oh, yeah. always having to get it, you know, which is, which is fine for some people, but I think, yeah, it's definitely important to take breaks uh, and, and not to be staring at your screen all the time. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So um, obviously we are men in tech and that's that's kind of the majority. And so I'd, I'd like to hear your thoughts about um, how women can get into tech, how what what women can do do to uh, get connected with other women. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, that sort of thing. Yeah. So like you said, it is majority men in tech. Like I have walked into conferences and been one of only of a handful of women and um, you know, a lot of times I, people are under the assumption that I'm not a developer, which is just funny to me. I'm like, what does a developer even look like? Like, how am I not a developer? Right. Um, but the biggest thing to remember, especially if you're a woman trying to get in tech is, yeah, you may be one of a few now, but you're paving the way for other women in the future, which I think is an amazing thing um, that you can be someone to, for someone else to look up to, which is kind of the stance I've taken and why I, I try to go and speak at a lot of conferences and go to meetups because I want someone to see someone like me and be like, Hey, I'm like her. I come from this weird background. I can still get into tech too. Yeah. Um, there are a lot of amazing women in tech group resources out there. Um, tech ladies is a national organization that I used to be part of that is amazing it's for women in all areas of tech not just coding and they have a job board it's free to join they're an amazing group but then there's like your local meetup groups as well like i run um the nashville women programmers meetup group which is just our local meetup we do it once a month and have various speakers right now we're all virtual because of covid but it's still been really nice to kind of get together and see everybody virtually but networking like that meeting with other women just having your support system and knowing you're paving the way for for the future yeah that's that's great i i always love to see people that start 
just communities that that meet a, a specific a specific niche and in this case yeah. it's for for women you know and mm -hmm. i think that that we we talked a lot about getting involved in, in a community and obviously it can be a bit scary if you're the minority in a group mm -hmm. and, and so it's it's i think it's really important and really really just great that people are out there doing this sort of thing that that women have an opportunity to to get involved in these communities and not be bombarded by stupid men. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, yeah. Well, so we'll add add if you don't mind, we'll add your uh, meetup. Yeah, of course. In, in the show notes. Yeah. So if anyone's listening, please join that. As long as you're a woman, of course. Um, well, we welcome men too. Oh, you do. Okay. Yes, it's not exclusive. <laughs> oh, okay. That's good. Awesome. Uh, yeah, and I'm just curious, like. In, in terms of, I know there's a lot of stereotypes, like you said, um, you know, people just kind of assume that you're not a developer because you're mm -hmm. a woman or like, what does that look like? Right. Um, what, I guess like what, what kind of other struggles have you had as, as a woman in tech? If, um, if you've, you know, if there's any biases that, that kind of come with that, that you've experienced, I'm, I'm just curious to kind of pick your brain on that. Yeah. I've been lucky to both of my workplaces I've been at are very like wanting to expand their their diversity and inclusion, not just with women, but with people of color, non-binary folks, everybody, which mm -hmm. I think is amazing. I've been really lucky to be on teams where there are a lot more women than the normal. Obviously they're still expanding and wanting to uh, be even more diverse, which I think is amazing. But yeah, I remember when I was quitting my uh, music publicity job, I went up to one of my coworkers and I said, hey, and my last day is in two weeks. I wanted to let you know. And they're like, oh, what are you doing? And I said, I'm going to a code school. I'm learning how to code. And they're like, well, you don't look like a developer. And wow. at that time, I was just like, okay, like, I'm. what do you think of? He's like, oh, like the nerdy type, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, you can be anybody to code. Even then, I was like, that's ridiculous. Like, why are you saying that? Um, but yeah, I, and that's something I'm really big on is anybody can learn to code. I've seen people say you have to be good at math. I'm terrible at math. Like <laughs> that was not my thing. Like, like I said at the beginning, I never expected myself to be in this in this career field. And now that I am, I love it so much because I was never exposed to something like this. Like I wish my high school would have had coding classes or anything like that. I remember writing HTML on MySpace and I had no clue what it was. And looking back now, I'm like, oh, that's what I was doing. <laughs> Yeah. And I, I think, yeah, that's a big piece of it. I think when it comes to uh, like what is perceived as a developer, I think a lot of people who don't understand it literally think it's like some nerdy developer that, mm -hmm. you know, drinks Coke all the time and is in his basement or something, you know, I, like I'm trying to make this. <laughs> this like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but yeah, it's like, like you said, you don't need to be good at math. You don't need to be this super nerdy type that like is mm -hmm. antisocial or something. Like I think it literally, it literally could be anybody that has the aptitude to learn because yeah. we learn every single day. And yeah, that's the biggest thing. I, yeah. yeah that's that's the biggest thing I tell people is to get into this, you need to, to really love to learn because that's something that's never stopping in this career field. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that kind of segues into my next question. Um, how how do you prefer to learn? I mean, where do you get your resources? Like, what? How do you? Are you a visual learner? You know, kind of just walk me through how how you like to learn. I am by far a visual learner. 
I much prefer coding along to a video tutorial rather than reading something because I'll skip the lines, I'll glaze over stuff. I need that video in front of me. Or even when I'm when I'm coding at work, I we have such a large code base, you can always find an example of something. So I'll try to find an example of something that's even remotely similar to what I'm doing and work off of that. But I, I cannot read tutorials. I'm terrible at doing it. I have to watch a video. Um, Wes Boss has some great tutorials that I always learn a ton from. He does a great job of, uh, of explaining what's going on and being able to see it visually. And you can pause and kind of try it on your own. And then he has the final examples for you. But he's a great resource and one I go to a lot. I think the reason I really got into coding at first is because of Code Academy and how visual it is because you're not just sitting there reading texts and trying stuff on your own. You're, you're watching these videos, doing it side by side. And I think that made a huge difference when I was first starting. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm definitely the same way. I think one of the, the big misconceptions that I had getting into code was like, it's all just like ones and zeros and you, uh -huh. got, <laughs> you, you know, like try to read through like a, a giant text of things, but it, it's really visual. If, if mm -hmm. you want it to be, you know, I think there's a lot of tools out there that, that make like VS code has a bunch of different themes and stuff that you can make it cool. And so, yeah, it's, it's much, it's much more like, uh, creative and cool than you think it's, it's not just mm -hmm. ones and zeros and like, you know, just like functions and, you know, boring yeah. stuff, but, but yeah, it, it, yeah, that's, that's super cool. Sean, do you have yeah. anything else? Well, we have, I don't, but our listeners have some questions. Ooh, exciting. Yeah. So the first one um, is, were there any previous skills that helped with the transition? Oh my gosh, so much. Um, I actually did a whole talk about this of things I've learned from my past careers that really resonate with me now and I use every single day. And it's funny looking back how similar ballet, especially in public relations are to coding. Kind of the big ones are you know, paying attention to the small details. In ballet, it's all about the small details, like the tiniest, engaging the smallest muscle in your leg makes a whole difference. And now when I'm coding, you know, I miss semicolons all the time. It's stupid <laughs> stuff like that, that screws you up. And same here. <laughs> <laughs> paying attention to the small details matters. Um, but with PR also, I learned so much, especially when it comes to my writing skills, like y'all were saying, we're not just sitting in a dark room by ourselves, not yeah. talking to anybody. We're talking to so many people and we're not just coding every day. You know, we're writing documentation, writing pull requests, explaining to coworkers why we're doing something. And so those writing skills really come into, into play. And that's something I really suggest to people who are getting into tech and trying to find that job. If they are coming from a career that's they think it's totally different, try to pull those similarities and kind of use those as your strengths and talk about them in your interviews. Be like, yeah, I did ballet, but it taught me perseverance never to quit. And that's how I keep learning and code and things like that. And you can really turn people's mind around about your background and how much it does relate to, to being in tech. That's good. What about some high points, low points during that transition? High points was obviously getting the job and it was very exciting. Um, obviously I, I quit my full-time job that I had worked hard towards all of college for something I wasn't sure that if I'd even be good at or if I could get a job in. So it was very exciting after going through code school in the following months and I'm finally able to, to pay my bills again. <laughs> um, 
kind of low points was, you know, especially in 2016 when boot camps weren't as popular, it was really hard to to justify to some employers why they should hire a boot camp grad. I'm sure y'all experience yeah. this too. Yeah. They'd be like, oh, you're so green. You only spent three months learning. But I'm like, hey, I spent three months learning all of this. What? Wait till you can see what I can do in three months at your company. So right. I feel like people are much more receptive to boot camp graduates and self-taught grads now, um, which is amazing. But that was kind of a low when I, several companies I talked to were so judgmental about it. And I really hated that because there's so many awesome people that are self-taught or graduate from boot camps. Well, there, there's one more question. We'll ask that and then we'll, um, we'll slowly end this. So sources <laughs> used for learning and staying motivated. Code Academy, definitely. West Boss Tutorials, definitely. Yeah. Um, there are so many resources out there. I'm really big into being active on Code Newbie. Um, they're a Twitter community. Okay. They just started their own um, blogging community where you can look up tutorials, uh, examples yeah. of things. I love that podcast. It's so good. Yes, they are great. And um, I also am really big on uh, Dev.2, which is very similar to Code Newbies, another community. The Practical Dev is their Twitter handle. But all of those, there's so many resources you can go to and uh, be able to follow and learn something. Uh, now there's like Team Treehouse, all of those, which are just free code camp, just amazing resources where you can uh, teach yourself, which I feel like when we were in our boot camp, there wasn't a ton out there. So it's amazing to see how much the online community around tech has grown. Well, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. This was Actually, great. Thank you. Yeah, we yeah. should. I feel like there's so much more to talk about. Like, it's kind of like if you're interested, let's do another one. Oh my gosh, yes, I would love yeah. to. I mean, like I could talk about Ember. I could talk about Christ. I know we didn't touch on a ton today. <laughs> I would be happy to come back and talk. Yeah, that would be great. Sweet. Well, it's, uh, speaking of our, our future episodes, uh, we have some exciting episodes planned. Um, another Iron grad, uh, Derek Bray, he is coming on. I love Derek. He's great. Uh, funny yeah. conversation. He calls me after he's listening to all the podcasts. And um, I was like, hey, man, it's so good to hear from you. He's like, yeah, I'm calling the gripe. You didn't mention my name at all. <laughs> <laughs> It's totally something he would do. That is amazing. <laughs> so we're excited to have him. And then um, we're in the middle of securing an interview with West Boss through Twitter. That is awesome. Yes, that that is. Uh, yeah, I'm going to be extremely nervous in that. <laughs> oh, my gosh. He seems like such a nice guy. Y'all yeah, are hitting it big time. I know. And All then right. um, so what? Seven would that be? It'll be episode uh, seven or eight. All right. Well, thanks again for listening to Dev Theory Podcast. I'm Sean Willis with our co-host, Isaac Weber. If you like this show, please click the follow button, leave us a review, share it with your friends. You could also go to devtheorypodcast.com, record a voice message. Who knows? You may even um, have your uh, message on air and we may answer that um, if you'd like to be a part of our live recordings and chat with us on slack just go to burrow.dev in your browser find when our next live event is 
and there you should be able to submit a form to um, to gain access to our private Slack channel. Also, if you are a tech company interested in sponsoring this podcast, you can email us at sponsorship at devtheorypodcast.com. Thanks again for listening.